I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. There's nothing quite like watching a documentary that really hits you on a deep level and makes you see the world differently. For many, the Netflix hit documentary Heal was an eye-opener. The simple fact that the film combined science and spirituality and showed how the human body can heal itself from any disease was enough to connect with an audience seeking new information on life, health, and it propelled it to the number one best-selling doc on iTunes. Well, one of the people behind that documentary and many others is our guest today. He's a filmmaker, producer, and director, and he's worked alongside some of the greatest researchers and spiritual minds of our time, like Deepak Chopra, Joe Dispenza, and Anthony William. But of all the projects he's worked on, the one he's talking about us with today is his most personal. It's a docu-series about the responsibility of choosing freedom and how that applies to healing as well as our perception of life. Taking place in India's Himalayan mountains on motorbikes, this series dives deep into human nature to explore how and why we experience the things we do physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is the story of The Road to Dharma with Adam Schomer. You know, part of where I found interesting is your rolling heel, which was, you know, blew up on Netflix, right? Very big, incredible movie. I loved it. I recommended it to patients. And you were a producer of that, of course. And could you tell us how that influenced you into making The Road to Dharma? And then we could go a little bit into The Road to Dharma. But even before that, your role in healing and what that meant to you. Yeah, because I know that also really applies to your audience, healing, right? And yes. um, and here's where, when I brought got brought into Heal, Kelly Gores is a director of Heal and had the idea for it. And, and she brought me in um, to the film. And to me, I was more in the yogic world, so to speak, uh, social issue films also, but conscious films. I had already done one motorcycle film, my first film called the highest pass where I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. And I went with my guru over the toughest road in the world. Uh, kind of stupid, but you know, that's what you got to do sometimes when you have passion, you follow your passion. Uh, so she knew I was a conscious filmmaker and I, and when she approached me with that film, I saw the healing heal in general or healing as a subset of the yogic mindset you know, to me. And I was like, oh, what a cool subset that I can dive deeper into and learn. Um, and I, I got to actually learn a lot about some of these experts I wasn't as familiar with, like the Joe Dispenza's and Bruce Lipton's and Anita Morjani's. Obviously, Deepak Chopra, he, he'd influenced me since I was 15. So some I did, but <clears throat> so it was fascinating for me. And I knew that he'll, we wanted to impact people on a personal level. That really means a lot to me. I'm not so much trying to change the government, you know, and, and have them change healthcare and get that, you know, it takes too long, right? Like you're doing, let's get at people individually, remind them they have the power. And, and I love that, that we wanted to have impact. And I knew we wanted to get on Netflix so that we could have that impact on individuals. And so we had a plan to get there. Uh, so anyway, so to me, it was yogic first or yogic, you know, the, br- the broad sense. And honestly, I had filmed The Road to Dharma before we did Heal. So it was sitting there waiting, right? It was waiting for its season. And, you know, as a filmmaker, you think things are ready and want to go. And sometimes the universe has different plans, as I'm sure your audience knows when people get sick, 
the universe has some plans for you and you have to surrender in some, in some way. Right. And you have to start allowing things. And so there was, there was a great patience with the road to Dharma and allowing of the season. So while we were in post for heal, uh, post-production meaning editing, right. Um, on weekends, I was starting to edit the road to Dharma episode one and two. I remember even on my birthday, I took a whole weekend and went up to Ojai, which is near LA here. And I, for my birthday, worked 16 hours a day trying to finish episode two. You know, I really, I'm like, I want it done on this weekend. And thankfully so, because right when he'll, you know, released the end of 2017 into 18, those duties or those responsibilities lessened a bit. And an investor came in um, and I had episode one and two and supported Road to Dharma for us to go and do, you know, edit the rest of the episodes. So um, there's a lot of hard work in there. There's a lot of patience. And so it was nice to then, I think the world was a little more ready anyway for the road to Dharma a little later than, than sooner. So that, that helped the universe, I think, had new, hey, be patient on this one. Or, or maybe my skills, even as a storyteller, needed to advance. And, um, and so that I would tell the story in a, in, a, you know, in a different way, a slower way with more patience and the ability to build character and story and then allow what I, what I think is cool to pay off after we've built the drama in the show of why people are going to the stakes of it. And, and we could talk about what the actual show is in a second. Right. But is that we do sink into some really deep wisdom, you know, and we take time where you might hear a five minute or seven minute wisdom piece, but it makes sense because it's re related to all what's going on and the characters. And it doesn't feel like someone's preaching at you. It feels like what was going on in this very authentic adventure and, and the audience can then take it in. And I, and it was cool for me to be able to build so that we could do that in, and what I, you know, and what would be considered a TV series, you know, and that, that I think is, is mainstream uh, that, that anyone could watch and really sink into. Well, that's what I found really remarkable about it was that you were hitting on some, you could even say spiritual notes, some deeper yeah. notes, but you had people even in the show itself that weren't quite there yet. You had some, you know, people that, that definitely weren't meditating, maybe didn't buy into this so much. So you had a very wide variety that I feel you could connect to one of the people there, which made it a lot easier, right? As I watched, I connected to certain people, but saw different elements and also saw the transition, saw some of the healing going on. So give us a little bit more on the road to Dharma and exactly what it is for people there. All right. What are these guys talking about? Here? Well, yeah, what is this road? <laughs> where, where does Dharma? I'd like to go there. <laughs> exactly. And how does it relate to heal? Wait a second. How do they get? Uh, so, well, it, it, first of all, the road to Dharma is a motorcycle adventure, right? Yeah. So we're motorcycling through the Himalayas to four sacred sites that have to do with freedom. In this case, the focus of the whole series is freedom. What does it mean internally to be free? And it's a mix of motorcycling, high altitude hiking, and a diverse group of characters led by Anand Mehotra, Anand, who's a, a guru, uh, our Himalayan master, if you will. And, you know, again, we don't, I don't set him up as this high guru. I set him up as a very almost natural friend in many ways. Um, we do that early on to just show like where he grew up in Rishikesh, the birthplace of yoga. So that people can make their own judgments on that and not feel like they're being pushed or or led by him, so to speak. And as you mentioned, the characters, there's Jeff and Jen who are going through a di possible divorce or possible reuniting. Um, she had been off alcohol for two years and, you know, he wasn't quite there on the spiritual thing. Right. He wasn't. She was trying to like bring him up to speed, right? which I'm sure a lot of people feel like, especially women, right? They tend to be a little more advanced in this world. 
when it comes to spirituality and maybe bringing their husbands along, which is part of why this series is cool. It's like, Hey, watch this motorcycle adventure thing. And then, Oh, here comes some language that I think, you know, men feel in their dharmic path, uh, in their path to truth, in their spiritual quest, but maybe don't have the right words. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know? And okay, cool. Now it makes sense. Um, so Jeff and Jen, on the verge of divorce, Fred, who's 75 years old, my God, you start to fall in love with this guy because what courage <laughs> motorcycling in India is crazy. All right. So for people that haven't been to India, it's nuts. Everyone, there's no real rules, except the rule is just take care of yourself and everyone else. And it's really dangerous. Right. And then L uh, who had just learned to ride a few weeks before the ride is also, I mean, you just feel for these people. You kind of think some people have said to me, at least in episode one and two, you guys are a little nuts. Like, <laughs> Yes. This is too dangerous. What are you doing? Right. And then um, I would just encourage those that are feeling like that, watching episode one and two, that's good that you feel that way because that's how people are feeling. Whether or not they're saying it, they're feeling like, what are we doing? Uh, this is a little much. And then in episode three, it, it takes you to that next level and things start to pay off and it deepens and you go, oh, I get why they're there now. And I get why they would push the envelope and do something quote unquote risky and why. Um, and then otherwise, and then the characters, there's myself, I'm in there. I return, you know, I make a, I'm narrating the thing. And I, I relate us to Anand in terms of the guru. I give us some insights, like what's he like? And there's Mario from Michigan, who I knew actually growing up, this guy's a dreadlocks kind of freewheeling dude. And, and Ken, like the rational businessman, I mean, really rational businessman, you know, just wants to know everything, but has to learn to just kind of let go and jump in. And I love Ken's when you get to episode five, it's one of my favorite episodes when Ken just really has to like surrender to the power of the Himalayas and, and, and really like, I mean, he tells the camera to shut off cause he's tearing up. He's that kind of guy where he's like, Hey, shut the cameras off. You know, doesn't want to really even show emotion. Um, anyway, so that, that's the, the essence of the show. It's all about freedom. We're motorcycling. We're going to sacred sites. It's beautiful. There's wisdom. There's even humor. Um, so I, th I really think it's a great thing for couples to watch or for anyone, no matter how far along on the path you are. Absolutely. And some beautiful shots. I mean, the Himalayas are incredible. I got to spend time in Tibet, went actually to Mount Everest and drove through there. I did not motorcycle, though, because, again, I think that is crazy. <laughs> and that, that kind of brings me to a lot of what I heard. There was freedom. I heard a lot in this show, of course, that idea of being free, but also to take risks. And this is something I talked about the other day with someone. I feel like in today's society, we don't like to take risks. I know patients come in here and they say, prove to me that I'll get better. I want to take no risk in this and you have to heal me. And it's like, that's not life, you know, that, but people nowadays are saying, if in two weeks I'm not feeling better, I consider this, you know, a, a, a not a success here. It's a failure. Yeah. And and people seem to want to mitigate risk as much as possible, but reap rewards in life. And I don't feel you could do the two. And when I heard you talking about this, taking these leaps and someone not knowing how to even ride a motorcycle and going into the Himalayas where there are mudslides, there are big trucks coming at you and you have to navigate or you fall off a cliff. That yeah. is a huge risk. But what I also saw by the time I got to the end of this docuseries there was a huge reward to it. So could you go into that idea of taking this risk and wh why you know you felt it, it, it was necessary and why you feel it's necessary to take risks? Because you obviously do. 
You throw yourself at a lot of project. You threw yourself at this one, huge risk involved. At times I was like, all right, which one of these people are going to die? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like everyone's falling and I'm on the edge of my seat watching this going, damn, these people are nuts. But I'm also like, I kind of want to do that. Like there's a part yeah. of me also that says, I want to take a risk and be rewarded. Can you go into that idea of risk and, and everything that went into the road sure. to Dharma that involves that? Sure. I love your energy too. And, and I'm sure you're, I mean, I, I, I feel from you, you know, as a healer, if you want to call yourself a healer, because people are healing themselves in many ways, Always. right? Or yeah. as a facilitator, what do you ever, that when people are dealing with the unknown, like you're dealing with all the time and mystery illness and chronic illness, they feel so at risk or f- so scared all the time. And it's almost like we have to work on that first. Yes. And let them kind of be okay with the unknown and start there. And then let's get into this process of un- unraveling some things. Right. I'm sure you go through that. And I, I feel for you and having to, <laughs> it, it's similar. Like someone might with, to come to me and say, well, what am I going to get out of this trip? I'd be like, ah, that's up to you. You know, it is up to you. Um, so that everyone knows anyone on this journey signed up for it. They paid to come on this road to Dharma trip. And then we filmed it. So it wasn't like we casted a TV show. Everyone was there by their own volition, again, put in resources and on some level wanted to break free of something, you know, or, you know, someone might've just wanted to have an, you know, Himalayas, motorcycles, some people that just sounds cool. Like, like you were feeling. (laughs) So, um, getting, getting to risk, I think, yeah, the, the, the first episode and first lesson, if you will, because uh, we have a course that goes along with it, but it's quantum leaps, right? It's like we have to take these quantum leaps. Otherwise, our bubble never breaks. And to go deeper into that, it's, it's like if we don't leave home, then we, we always have these escape routes kind of built into our lives. And it goes beyond just comfort. It's just ways to escape what we're feeling or escape what might be hitting us on the head. Um, be it our, our norms with our relationship, could be um, our family, could be distraction, could be just busyness. You know, it, we have escape routes all over. I mean, it's like, it's like human to develop this. And so that's why I, I love the idea of pilgrimage so much. And it doesn't have to be for people, you know, it doesn't have to be the Himalayas on motorcycles. You know, we have passengers on the, that, that could choose. They could be on the back of the bike at some time and sometimes they were in the car. Because we had support vehicles because some of the roads like, hey, you know, we shouldn't have a passenger right now. It's just really hard with that mud and an extra weight. You could go down really easy. And one of the riders, you know, one day was like, you know what? I don't want a passenger today. And they went down. And so sometimes there's an intuition of like, I don't want someone on the back. But I think with with risk on some level, you know, on the yogic level, there's really no risk because the only thing that feels like it's being risk is like our ego and it's identity and what it asserts as self, but truly there's nothing at risk. Okay. But I'm a man of the world and yes, I understand we feel risk. Okay. (laughs) And we know like, gosh, I could be hurt. I could break my leg. What if I can't walk? You know, all this stuff runs through your head. And on my first journey, the highest pass, my gosh, again, I had never ridden, never been in these roads. All I kept visualizing was myself sliding off a cliff, you know, into the ice. And that's where I die in the Himalayas. Right. And my, my teacher, Anand, would say, well, that's a beautiful place to die, don't you think? <laughs> See, <laughs> you know, there's that. That's perspective, right? That's just, hey, it's a great it's, place. <laughs> and, and so there's no, um, there's, no, there's no coddling or comforting there of yeah. like, don't worry, you won't die, right? It's like, <laughs> no, no, you could die because 
because we don't, he doesn't want to build in an escape route of like, oh, look to me and I'll comfort you. And I think that's really important. A lot of times we do comfort and maybe we shouldn't, you know, maybe we should just trust people and be like, look, you got this. Yes, you might die, but you got this and practice. And, you know, in episode two, we talk a lot about um, with Elle and Fred who are struggling on the motorcycles about be calm first. So the practice first, you know, people think skill first and you need skill to ride a bike, but let's practice being calm first. Like, can we get to that place where we trust ourselves, where we're at peace and we know we can react in any way uh, that is necessary. Let's work on that. You know, so we do do a lot of meditation, a lot of pranayama to really center ourselves. And that I think that trust in self and tools and practice that mitigates risk, just like an athlete might feel like the risk of losing a final in a soccer match instead of the possibility of winning. You know, the, I worked with the LA Galaxy for a little while, pro soccer team. And the goalkeeper told me, he's like, you know, my goalkeeper coach is really cool because he teaches me in those last 10 minutes, instead of fearing losing a goal, think about the possibility of making the winning save. You know, just flipping the switch from risk to possibility. Yeah. Uh, and that probably helps a lot too, I think, with, with your patients and anyone going through the healing journey. That's why also making heal for me worked because I like adventure. I like following something happening in a, in a series or in a movie. And the, the risk or adventure of being in illness is as big as adventure as anyone's ever going to go on. That's a pilgrimage, right? Yes. And you're way out of your comfort zone. So this really applies to everyone that you work with for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the reason I really love this docuseries because there are so many parallels to just healing. The journey itself, it is a journey. It is one you will have to take risk, go up and down. But even that parallel of riding the motorcycle and being calm first, because you get so many patients that come in that are just full of anxiety, full of just stress. And you check and you see their sympathetic nervous system is through the roof, adrenal fatigue, because it's just draining it all the time. And they have no pair, no ability to calm themselves, be at peace. So, you know, it's incredibly hard to do any medical treatment when someone is just so anxious. And we're not going to feed you full of pills because that's just subduing something. And it's not changing anything really, right? So yeah. it is working on that to balance the sympathetic, parasympathetic and get you into a restful, peaceful state of calm of being able to approach anything a little bit easier, just as those newbies to the motorcycles had to do first. And look, if you can't get there when motorcycling, you'll be tense for 12 hours yeah. and you walk out. And I, even with practice, like I still get really tense in my shoulders from riding. I think it's part of it's just posture and, and it, you know, it's bumpy, but, but um, if you're really freaking out the whole time, your body will be toast by the end of a day, just from, ah! and so it's a total metaphor. If you, if you don't let go and surrender and be at peace while you're riding, you'll, you'll mess your whole body up so quickly. Isn't that also what so many people deal with on a daily basis? You hear people all the time. I got pain in my neck all the time, lower back. It's like, well, you're not working out. You're not an athlete. You know, where are you getting this pain from? Really look at it. And they're sitting in a stressful position all day. Stress is coming at them with every email, everything that comes through their phone. So, you know, again, that's, that's part of the parallels to it. And, you know, speaking of Anand, the guru in it, he starts each or you started each chapter of the docuseries with him saying, it's not a journey to feel better. You've come here to transcend. And that's wonderful because, again, I look at healing and it's not a journey to just he feel better right away because you won't. Most times when you heal, there's change and you'll actually feel worse. And people say, wait, that's not healing, but it is. 
And the journey isn't about just feeling better automatically. That may be the outcome, but the change and transcendence and what we say is transmutation is really what you're looking to do. You're trying to transmute yourself to something different that is no longer in a state of illness, that is self-healing. But what is that? I'm glad I was going to say, I'm glad you tell people that because it's even telling people that that lets them know, right? To like, oh, okay. Right. Whereas most doctors will be like, okay, we'll make you feel better right now with this pill. Take it right now. You will feel better. And that if the goal is feeling better, that's really easy. Actually pop a pill, do a drug, drink, you know, whatever you want. And you could probably feel better very quickly, but will that truly transcend you? Will that make you feel better in the long run? No. And that's, you know, every single one starts with that. And I I took such, you know, note of that, of course, of not saying that (laughs) resonate, but I want to know what what you feel about that and the transcending kind of um, stories you saw even through yourself in making the road to Dharma. Yeah, it's, it's so good. We put it there for a reason, you know, every, (laughs) because like to remind people and it it really starts to crescendo, I think in episode seven, you know, Mm -hmm. where that's actually where we pulled that clip from episode seven, where he gives some people a real licking. Oh yeah. You know, know, it's like, this is not your yoga spa thing. You know, don't, you know, Oh, I didn't have enough protein today. And like, relax guys, like chill out. That's not why you came uh, for this tour guide of India. Like whether or not you knew it or not, you came for this. Um, you wanted to switch your life up. You wanted to, not even your life, your perspective. That's what we keep coming back to. We have the power to shift our perspective and until you get out of your norms and get the escape routes out of the way and have someone to be able to push you a little bit like you do as a healer, right? To have some help. Um, so it's not all alone. Then these, these things don't happen. But in, in terms of transcendence, it's happening all the time, right? Like what you're transcending at any moment on the motorcycle or uh, like in episode three, when Jen, she's going through a tough time hiking, right? It's re- this is really steep, you know, for the, again, for those listening, it's steep. And on that first hike up to Kedarnath, the temple of death, uh, <laughs> which sounds like Indiana Jones, right? So I love it. The, the temple of death. My, my real quick, my, the first thing on the highest pass, okay. Years ago, 2010, the first mountain pass you go on to get into the Himalayas is called Rotang pass. And so of course I'm on the internet looking it up and it means pile of dead bodies. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no, you know, <laughs> why did I look this up? This is stupid. What a literal uh, translation. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. So, um, so have to transcend this, this constant fear that comes up, this constant thing. Oh, my guru is trying to kill me. He's trying to sacrifice me. So his prophecy doesn't come true. Oh my God. The mind comes up with these stories. So laughter is a really cool method of transcendence on the bike. Or if you have a passenger, maybe singing mantras, like we start six. So you get out of the fear state and into a little more of a flow state. And I don't like to use that word too much because I think we're always in a flow state from in some ways, but you're transcending all the time. And as a filmmaker, I was just, first of all, I was sick at the beginning. No one would know that like, you know, hard head cold and all that. And the first thing I said was like, I'm not going to tell anyone. And I'm not, I'm just going to think of it as one little feeling, you know, that's just something I'm not going into poor me. I have too much on my plate. I'm filming and writing and I'm sick. Like no way. You know, that, that was, so that transcendence of laying down the law with oneself, I think is key and saying, no, yes, I feel this it's happening. I don't deny it, but I'm not going to let that define me, uh, or my, or my experience. 
And I'm going to say mantras, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, to help lift above the conditions. It's not to make things go away. You don't say mantras like you're praying to the God to take it away from me, right? Heal me, make me feel better. No, you're praying for yourself to transcend above the circumstance, to be bigger than what's going on. So it's still you still feel it. And I think in the new age world, people get this idea that transcending means we don't have feelings anymore. We're not in pain anymore. And that's not what transcendence is. It's transcending is our, pers- our shifting our perspective of things and maybe connecting to an identity that's a bit bigger than our normal set of circumstances and have perspective on it. And thus it doesn't shatter us so much and we can smile on it. And it's like, yeah, I'm also sick. Okay. So that kind of transcendence, I think it's happening all the time. And, um, Maybe later in the talk, we can talk about it or now, you know, in episode nine and 10, when I had a, had a little, little snafu myself. Yeah, no, let's jump into it. I want to hear about these snafus. I mean, I finished it, but I almost want to get your insight because I watched as an outsider, went through it, really engaged in it all. But now to speak to you was behind. I didn't know you had a cold, right? You know, in those first episodes, you were just there. And that's amazing. You were able to just, you know, do that and work through it and transcend through it in a sense. Yeah. But yeah, tell me about those snafus. And a cold, you know, it, it's so small and simple, but everyone's feeling they have a lot on their plate. Everyone yeah. feels that way. And if you just look at, you have no idea what's going on with someone else. None. That's the, that's the thing, right? So Never. you have to, you, you don't know if you have a lot in comparison, you know, Ryan had seizures going on Yep, and and had been in a motorcycle accident. This guy from Canada, you love him. He's just such a sincere guy. Raised money from his community to be able to come on the trip. And, and he had gone, been in a huge motorcycle accident a year before. And like really messed himself up. And here he is back on it again. And that's hard. You know, that's hard. It's um, when you've been in it, you know, you have that memory of it. And it, it's hard to jump back on. And for me, the experience I, I had in episode you know, I talk about it in episodes, but it was a, just a real day yeah. <laughs> in the trip. <laughs> These are real things. We weren't like, this is episode nine as we're right. <laughs> right. Although I do look back sometimes, I listened to, I made some audio notes. And I go, I think this will be episode four. And like, and it, it actually is. And it's, it, it's mind boggling. But um, so we were uh, at the, I don't want to too much of a spoiler alert, but to be honest, we're not, it's not the kind of series where it matters if you know what, right. what happens, right? You're along for the journey. That's the, the road to Dharma is not to get to a place called Dharma to answer your way previous question. Dharma is itself the path. So it's a little bit of irony, the road to the, to the road, to the road. <laughs> it's, it's funny like that to me, um, the road to truth or the road to the path, which shows you the truth continually. And that's when you realize, oh, that's what Dharma is. It's how I'm living. It's every day. So here we are coming back from the motorcycle trip in Rishikesh, India. And we're done with all the crazy stuff like that. And we're like, hey, let's just take a swim across the, the raging Ganga River, <laughs> yeah. which is the monsoon rains. For the, Again, for those new to this series, the monsoon rains lasted a month longer than usual. We, you wouldn't ride motorcycles during the monsoons, right? But they happened to last a month later. So we were riding at the beginning through crazy rains and bridges were knocked out and landslides. So in the roads were muddy. So it was much more difficult than it was supposed to be. And the river was still really high and raging, even by the time, you know, three weeks later when we get got back. But Anand, you know, likes to swim across it. And I've swam across it once before at that point, which I knew was hard. And this time I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go for it. 
So we all swim across the river and I really pumped hard and I ended up, you know, to long story short, got caught in an eddy and um, things were going sour quickly. I saw somebody else panicking. Jeff was kind of, Hey, help, help. And I tried to float and it got, I was pulled under again because that's what you're supposed to do is just try and float and don't waste your energy. But she was taking me down and I'm like, okay, that's not working. And you're thinking, you know, you're having these thoughts and I'm like, Oh, interesting. And I remember going under at that time and thinking, Oh my God, my mom's going to be so upset. You know, (laughs) that's the thought, right? Like what an idiot, what an idiot, you know, like, (laughs) didn't have to cross the river. First of all, why are you doing this journey? But uh, she's going to be so upset, which, you know, I could talk about mom, son relationships for hours, right? It's such a, we could, (laughs) you know, it's a unique unique thing that I keep unraveling. So um, at that point, you know, I ended up calling for help, if you will, you know, and, and which was a good thing. It was like the survival instinct came in to call for help. But in retrospect, I look back and I really, was reacting and taking on some of the fear of Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I go into that much in the, in the show, but I, I, in re, in retrospect, looking back, Jeff, who was panicking, I took on some of his fear. Now, in order to do that, I had to be afraid myself. Right. But I'd let that wave heighten mine as if like justify my fear. Mm. You know, if I had looked over and someone else was calm, I might've been like, mm, okay. But likewise, if he had looked at me and I was like, calm, he might've calmed him down. So I, that ripple effect happened. I bought into it a bit. And as much as I tried to, to do things right, you know, and in the end called for, I think it was a smart move to call for help. I recognized that lesson of like taking on someone's fear. Mm. And, and some years later, I was back in the Himalayas motorcycling and um, was in a crash. Not even a crash, like the universe just slammed me down. Like, I don't know what happened. I was riding somehow, boom, on the ground. And I broke five ribs. And um couldn't ride anymore, but continued on the, on the journey and had amazing epiphanies. And, you know, it's like meant to be the way it was supposed to be. It's not fun. You know, it's difficult to breathe at 16,000 feet without ribs. Uh, it's really hard. Right. Really. And everyone, and you know, doctors are like, you know, you could have put, you could puncture the lung. We're not sure. So it could start leaking anytime. You never know. And you're like, thank you for the, you know, real advice, but that little fear keeps kicking. Right. And that brings us back to this fear and like taking on other people's fear. And that's what happened in that, in that crash. Also, I had taken on someone else's fear early before that day in a very subtle way, just about gas, you know, how much gas do we have? And it really taught me like, gosh, you can't do that at all, Adam. Like in life, you can't take on other people's fears at all. Like at the, if you do it at a subtle level, we're going to kick you down. Like that's where you're at now, man. Like, if you take other people's fears on, I'm going to crash you. I'm going to hit you because that's not your role anymore. You're a leader. You need to stand in who you are. You know, you just rise up. Don't take it on. You know, you know, you know whether or not you need to be afraid or not. Uh, so that all stemmed from that, you know, talk about transcendence. Like that was my, I almost died in the river and it stunned me for that day. And I made sure I just didn't talk to anybody. And I just had my process and allow myself to physically go through it and cry and just release Um, and everything. And then years, as years went by, I got to see the greater lesson and see it kind of repeating until I could fully work through it. So sometimes the transcendence, you know, to really long, long answer to your question, sometimes the transcendence is long, Mm. right? There's this long process. Some things we learn there, like, oh, five years later, six years later are still unraveling. Even one guy that, that recent trip in 2018 that we didn't film, one of the guys that was on it, um, watch the road to Dharma after. So again, 2018, we didn't film. Mm-hmm. 
Then he watches The Road to Dharma. I gave him like a sneak peek of it. And he said, you know what? Watching the show helped me understand what I just went through in the journey because so much is going on. You're transcending all the time. And it's like, you can't really put a box around it or your head around it. And the show tends to like compartmentalize it a little bit. So you can go, oh yeah, these are some of the lessons we went through. And he was able to really even see his own journey by, by looking back on someone else's. And that's where I think like to an audience member, you watch all these real people go through this motorcycle high adventure in a compartmentalized way with themes might help you go through whatever you're going through and give yourself some framework and go, Oh yeah. You remember how Fred was doing that in that episode or this, that's what I need to do now. And, and, you know, that's, that's the classic storytelling, give someone, someone they can empathize with, and like the Greeks would do, show them a way to like how to be right so that you can mirror that. And in media today, it's, it's a lot of that's lost, you know, in terms of um, really showing people how they can be and rise up into their best. And that's why we make movies and stories. It should be at least. Yeah, I remember watching that scene of you crossing the river and seeing the panic and the fear and thinking back to earlier episode, basically with Anand saying the ganja could be a mother, but she could also be a witch and she teaches you so much. And it's like, oh, it's all coming back, you know, from that first <laughs> yeah. episode. And, and that's that's such an epiphany for life. We always circle back around to things, learn these lessons, experience them and hopefully gain so much for them. And I, I think it is about, you know, what, so much of what we try and say here with what we do at Innovative Medicine is that evidence is wonderful. It's necessary, but experience is really the king. You know, that you could read all the evidence about, you know, something you want, then you experience and you get a totally different thing than what the evidence says. What does it matter suddenly? So I will say it's, it's the experience that matters most. Don't dive too far into thinking over evidence or what's going to happen cross the river, experience it, learn. <laughs> because even seeing this right now, that idea of you taking on someone else's fear, I am listening to that and completely agree. But I haven't experienced it like you did in a raging river where life and death may come and you're thinking about your mother and all these things. And, and suddenly that has such an experience for you that is so personal to you and what the lesson will be. Someone watching or listening to it is not going to have that. They may gain something, but they won't experience it, which sort of leads me to this idea. Do you feel like everyone should go on some sort of pilgrimage, should have some sort of a guru? Because of course, even the pilgrimage itself is a wonderful thing, but then you add in Ananda, guru, and there's so much to go along with it. Would you recommend this for, for everyone in some people even that would say, I, I don't travel, I don't like it, I think it's scary, it's this and that. Is this something that, that everyone should experience? Pilgrimage, yes, I do think so. I think it's in our DNA, Casper. I think it's yep. really like, you know, we're meant to have a coming of age and they, it was built into older traditions to do that, right? And to put people, you know, the Native Americans put your mm -hmm. the kids through certain rituals. That's the pilgrimage so that you, you can test, test yourself. That's where we get to in episode 10, which is like, you're greater than you know. You know, mm -hmm. you are much greater than you'll ever realize. We touch on an episode three too. And I, I just love that to know how much potential is there. And I, yes, I do believe we need a pilgrimage to, to help unlock that. And yeah, there's some risk involved, but if you know, that's the thing, if you switch your mindset to this is a pilgrimage, whatever you're doing, it could be just COVID is a pilgrimage. It sure. could be your relationship. It could be, then, you know, I'm here to grow and I'm here to shift that already kind of sets the tone. Same with healing. I would think if, if, mm -hmm. if you can set the tone and say, Hey, look, this is a pilgrimage. We're going to get a lot more out of this than just 
healing you, are you open for that? Right? Are you up for, you know, maybe something that changes you internally in your life? And and if they can buy into that, wow, now you know, now double potential. Super cool. Guru to add a guru into the mix. Amazing. Now, now everyone's not going to have that, you know, but they might come in different forms, like your patients having you, I think, same thing. Someone that's been there, seen it, that again, it's not like an escape route, right? It's 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 um guidance, you know, re realigning. Yeah, we, I go see people. And from Heal, I went and saw Patty Penn. She was doing the tapping. And I went and saw Patty Penn last weekend um, because it's important dealing with mom, son stuff and like, okay, what's left there? And let's, let's, uh, let's release it and unleash again your greater potential. So I think it's really, really important. I mean, that's why we start with quantum leaps at the beginning of episode one, because that's what you need a pilgrimage. It can be anything. It really can. You don't have to be on motorcycles, right? You really don't. You don't have to go to the Himalayas. But I do believe you need to do something that will forcefully push you out of your zone and cut off some of those escape routes. Um, Anand says, like, there's nothing wrong with LA or Sydney. You know, in the show, he says, there's nothing wrong with these places, but they have too many like escape routes. They have too many links to your stories. So even speaking another language, you know, I speak Spanish and it has less story behind it for me. And I find there's a freedom in that. And to be able to talk with someone in Spanish, I can almost express myself more honestly. And maybe it comes off innocent and cute. I don't know. But like, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, you're so beautiful. Whereas in English, I, I feel a little shame around saying that or, you know, or is, is that, you know, too flirty. But in, in Spanish, no, it's just like just expressing words. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's a firm yes. I recommend it for everyone uh, in some fashion. And gosh, if you can have a if you can have a guru or a coach or a, just a helper. Anybody by your side, right? If you can have anybody by your side to give you some sort of different perspective to be able to get outside of your own head sometimes and be able to have that discussion that oftentimes you get in your own head. And I'll say the one thing I would add to the pilgrimage, because you're right, it can come in so many fashions and forms. And, and I've been lucky enough to travel. And each time I travel to some distant place and do backpacking or hiking with a group or anything, it feels like a pilgrimage in a sense. But the biggest part for me is that connection to nature. It's getting away from Manhattan and, you know, a kind of, you know, man made sort of stressful environment into something that is truly natural and just being around nothing like in the Himalayas. I just had epiphany after epiphany that I would never have as much as I tried in New York. They just came to me. You're up yeah. there. You get no cell service, right? You're in these monasteries <laughs> with Buddhist monks chanting around you. If you don't have epiphanies, I think something's wrong with you almost, you know? It's like, and the intuition just kicks in. You start asking yourself, what should I do? And you get answers. And that was amazing to me because I find I was even talking about this with my team earlier. It's that people are searching for answers everywhere outside of themselves. We have patients going to everyone to, are you going to be good for me? Is this good for me? Should I prove that this you know, supplement works on me. Sometimes you just have to ask yourself those questions. And what do you feel? Do you feel it will work for you? And, and we've lost intuition because we can't answer those questions. So one of the things I, I heard when I was listening to a documentary that also kicked in and, and I think would help with all this is that idea of getting into the gap. And in one of the episodes, you go in and, and the gap is... What I learned from reading a Wayne Dyer book many years ago that was given to me called Getting Into the Gap is Japa Meditation. And meditation mm -hmm. is about getting into the gap. And meditation is something you guys practice daily with Anand, right? In this doc, and it's something you are very involved in. 
Do you feel that that the ability to meditate, get into the gap, is an essential part of life, of healing, of of calming the mind, of being happier and healthier? Yeah, a thousand percent. It's the best tool I've ever learned in my life. I started at eighteen, and I can't imagine myself without that tool um, of awareness. I call it building awareness. I do teach meditation or I have free groups. Like for the last 12 years, I've had a group at my house every Monday night. It's more community Mm -hmm. and Sangha, but, um, yeah, that tool of awareness. Can I, can I grow my aware, my ability to, you know, be aware of my intuition or just what's even going on with me or my own loops, you know, just, can I grow that awareness and then my ability to allow it and to be able to be with my feelings and let them process. And it's astounding how many people don't have that toolbox. Right. Yeah. And I find life would be very difficult without that toolbox. Very, very difficult. So yeah, meditation, so key and gap episode five, my, mm-hmm. it's one of like, they're all my favorite episodes, like my <laughs> children. But that episode is so complete and beautiful. We go to Tungnath, this beautiful uh, temple at 12,000 and then 13,000, the masculine temple at 12,000 Shiva, and then the feminine above it, because the feminine is always above the, the male. There's destruction, but there's always creation above it. And I love that. And it's, it's formed like a crescent peak up there. And it's so beautiful. And like, it's so quiet, you know, uh, up, up there. And we're recording and I'm talking a little. And it's just so, so beautiful. And people have epiphanies there. Like, like Ken, the rational dude, like just gets flooded with the power of the Himalayas. And if your mind's talking all the time, or if you're even talking all the time with other people, and Anand said to us, no talking this whole, that whole day, so that there could be more ability for the gap, more ability to just listen. And I think it's, God, it's so important. As I sit here and talk, I am almost like, be quiet at <laughs> just listen. <laughs> but I know we're here to talk on the show. So we can't really, yeah. So intuition comes in that gap, listening, you know, and not even says, you know, that his guru would say like, not don't listen to my words, but the space between my words mm. and, uh, or not his guru. I think that was Shiva was saying to his beloved Shakti, don't listen to my words. I believe I might have the story wrong. Not a problem. Either way, listen to the space. Yeah, yeah. All good. Right. All good. So Oh my gosh. Meditation is, is to me the tool. I can't say that's the same for everyone. Cause I know we're all built a little different. And I know the Tibetans knew that also. So t- different styles of meditation. That's why there was visualization. It worked better for some people. Um, that's why they developed practices that could, you know, Tantra, not like we know it, Tantra sex, but the Tantra tradi- tradition, which right. is part of my lineage means that we can use it in life. So it's like, it should apply the the daily work it should apply in the bedroom and it should apply. And if you need visualization to help you because your mind is more like that, not everyone can just be like silent. Right. So I don't want, want people to walk away with crazy expectations that they have to be this emptiness. Cause I don't really actually believe that it's emptying the mind. I, I, I believe um, we're emptying the separation. Yes. We're emptying, you know, emptying this idea. That's what even Thich Nhat Han says right there in that book. You know, See it? Yeah. you know, it's not emptiness, it's empty of separation. And then, oh, which is more fullness. Oh my gosh. Empty of separation. That to me, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's it. Cause I've never thought this emptiness, like it, it's not empty. I look around, you know, it's not empty. Right. right. There, it's full, even at the subatomic level, when I go small and I go in between the particles, it's full. That's where I feel energized. Uh, so it's, oh, when I get less of thinking I'm so separate, then it's like, it all comes in, you know, then it all rushes in. And that's as, med- that's as gappy as anything. The energy just flowing through you. 
As right. gappy? Did I just say as gappy as anything? It's gappy. It's gappy. That's, that's definitely a term. <laughs> like, I'm not happy. I'm gappy. Oh, I'm so gappy. This whole conversation, I hope, leads to gappiness and people yeah. getting into the gappiness <laughs> of it all. But it's true. I mean, so much of what we see is, is uh, are people just nonstop. We have these 60, 80,000 thoughts. Most of them in, in our normal life are going to be negative in some way. They're going to be critical, judgmental, and a lower consciousness level. And, and as we know, in, in our field, at least, it's that those thoughts will lead to biochemical actions through the HPA axis, through psychoneuron you know, system, all of these things that are now scientifically proved. This isn't just you know thoughts and you know spirituality and its woo-woo concept, no. And to be able to get into some kind of gap, get a little gappy any way possible. And if that is breathing technique, if that is meditation, there are many different ways, right? You guys meditated one way. You you add mantras and everything that helps you subdue the fear or the thoughts of, oh my God, I'm going to fall. No, just do the mantra. If your mind's on that, it can't be going too far off to think, what about that cliff right there? It's just on the mantra. And so I do find that incredibly useful. And, and to say to people, you got to experience and find what works for you. Is that, you know, Japa, what I learned through different mantra, or is that something else? Is that transcendental meditation? Is that just breathing and focusing and listening? There's a million different ways, really, and make it personal and experience and try it out because I do think we have an epidemic of, of overthought, of just thinking too much. And we're talking negative things to ourselves constantly. I mean, we all do it. I'm not immune to it. It happens always. It's the ability to catch myself quickly. And be able to say, get into that gap a little bit. Otherwise, we are on this road, this path, not to Dharma, but to disease, I feel like, through <laughs> our own thoughts. Not even we could be the healthiest people, but have unhealthy thoughts, then we're unhealthy. And people don't see it that way. That's why when I speak to people, oh, I have great diet, I sleep well, I have nutritionists, diet, like all these, I work out all the time. Yeah. Yet they feel unhappy and unhealthy, and they are. Their biochemistry shows they're unhealthy somehow. And then you go into what's going on up here. And that's a big part of it. It's huge. I love that. You know, even the catching of a thought, like that's gappy. Yeah, that is <laughs> gappy. If you're, if you're catching it, you must be in the gap a bit to be able to be aware of it, right? You're outside right. of it. So that people know that's part of being gappy. And we're hashtagging this. I was going to say, we just started a whole trend of gappy. <laughs> hashtag gappy. If you're listening to this, jump on any social media and start hashtag gappy. Let's get this going. <laughs> And hashtag road to Dharma while you're at it. You know, let's uh, just... it goes hand in hand. <laughs> My gosh. I love it. I I'll love give it. you credit for that term. <laughs> no, no, no. No, please. <laughs> yeah. no, but I mean, road to Dharma is such a, a, an awesome series. It's obviously took you a long time. You have so much behind you as far as the things you've done. Are you looking to continue this? Is this like, what's next in your, is there a road to Nirvana next or something else? <laughs> I wrote the Dharma episode, uh, season two. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's in the vision. Uh, maybe that'll be June of 2022, you know, once nice. things are opened up. Yeah. There's always the, the coordination of, you know, investment and, and making it all come, come together, but it's, it's really what I, I love it. You know, I really love making it. It's so difficult and challenging to make, but I love that. You know, it's so focused, right? Cell phones. No, not a thing. Like you said, you're just making and experiencing and and thriving and pushing yourself and like that episode five, Kedar uh, Tongnath, 
myself and my cameraman, we had to go ahead of people. First of all, we wanted to make sure we got there before any clouds came in, but people were resting at the Shiva temple. And I'm like, come on, dude, don't even stop. Like we're going, you know? And he was just like, Oh, like, and we were passing the camera stuff back and forth, you know, 10 steps for you, 10 steps for me, just this, you know, old school athletic guy and guy or warrior, like, just like, let's push each other up this mountain. And I really like, like that as much as it hurts. I just love that. Cause it's harder to do just kind of sitting at home, like editing or hanging out, yep. or whatever. I'm going to go for that another hour of emails. Like, eh. you know, you know, how about climbing the mountain to get the shot? You know, I just love it. It's really something I love sharing because it just seems like the right method right now for this time. Like it's adventurous, it's watchable and it's deep. And I really think that's just what we need. I, I'm lucky that it's something I love to do, but there's a, as you know, it's like, there's a lot of work when it comes to docs and doc series. So season two is out there. I have another project that, um, that I'm, you know, developing, pitching around that has to do a little bit in the, um, Oh, I can't say exactly, but the feet, it's a strange niche that you wouldn't think I'd be looking at. Okay. Um, but the themeology is around escape and how we use anything to escape. Mm -hmm. And when we realize that, how to overcome this idea of leaning on other, uh, the savior leaning on like, that'll save me. That'll finally make things better that I'm sure you see all the time. And when healing, the time. I can't wait for that to happen because that'll liberate us rather than taking responsibility. And just, this is the earth and we are here and this is what we need to do. Uh, so I, I love that theme of responsibility. It comes through in the road to Dharma. Like we're responsible for our own thoughts and our own freedom and anything to get over escape and instead take responsibility. I think that's one of the biggest themes for humanity right now is that we need to really take responsibility for each other, for ourselves and for our planet. No, it's a beautiful message. I'm really looking forward. You really teased that well because you didn't give out enough, but now I really want to know about this escape. <laughs> it's super cool. And it's, it's, a, it's fashioned as a, as a series also. Nice. So we've pitched to some of the biggies and it, it might, it's, it's been a little too edgy for them. So we oh, right. just, oh, even I, better. Yeah, I, I know that's why I'm like, <laughs> discovery i'm like i knew it'd be too edgy for you guys they're like but where's the proof and then this like like you deal with and i'm like you're you're missing the idea of the whole show other people have gotten it but it's still a little edgy so we're probably going to go independent and finance it ourselves and go out there and just shoot it oh, uh, i can't wait it's another uh, adventure thing yeah it's crazy can't wait to learn about that more i gotta ask you this because you've been with your guru and on for so long what's the best lesson you've learned from him i'm just curious myself you know, that, um, the best lesson, maybe I can just, you know, what's up now for me. Cause that, that's probably the best who knows, you know, no, like, of course what's, what's most applicable right now is, um, to be bold and to do think, do that, which really your, your, um, resonates with you, you know, like be bold, keep life simple, make the choice and just, and that's it. And move and move on. Like keep it simple, but be bold with it. Uh, and he lives like that. Like he just really, he just lives like that. Things are very simple, but um, they're, they're big moves, you know, and they're big, bold decisions. And he just takes responsibility for it. I remember that he even brought up in it, this idea of doing that, doing what you love and not worrying about the money. Money is, you know, we, we focus so much on like, oh, how well I make a living that way. If I do, if I follow my dreams, I'm giving up this, you know, comfort here and the money and the financial stability. And he kind of brings that up that money isn't the end game at all of this. And 
And it's much more, it's like happiness should be the end game to it as, as we know. But so many of us are just miserable, but we say, we think we have to be there. We talk ourselves through fear and everything else and money that we can't follow our dreams, our passions, what resonates with us. But to me, that's just going to lead you to unhealthy positions, sickness, disease of your mind, of everything. And that's a terrible place to be. Yeah. I, I, I really hope you, because, you know, from doing, doing heal to loop back to where we started, you see that you really see that when people in their relationships or just their, their, their lives and their emotional lives are, are stunted or holding back or repressing anger or not making the moves they really actually want to make. And this isn't from like a privilege standpoint, like, oh, I want to go to Bali and, you know, no, no, it's, it's, you know, it's some like what, what's inside you that's like not happy and, and, and need, wants change, but maybe is afraid to, it can clear up a lot of issues. You know, it can, it can oh, yeah. be, it can be the source and it can clear up. I remember I had parasites way back. And when I did the internal work of saying who in my life is parasitical, where am I being parasitical? What relation after that, it's not like that cured the parasite, but right after that, Dr. Holda Clark's methods came into me and it's like, oh, wormwood, you know, these three things cure. And it did. So like, which was it? Does it, does it matter? But they're together, you know, like doing the emotional work, unlock the physical, you know, thing. It's like a video game, did the emotional work and they're like, ding, here's the key. Now take this potion and okay. And it, and it worked. Um, so I think it's so important, gosh, so important to address these things internally for, for the work you're, for the work you're doing and your, and your patients and, and everyone. Absolutely. We live on this earth in the three planes of body, mind, spirit. And if there's a disruption in them, we usually have to address them all. We can't just address the body and expect the mind to spirit and the body will follow also. So like you said, if someone has a parasite and they have a parasitic relationship, some thoughts of that may feel parasitic, that will then lead to a, a true manifestation, even if you address it with all sorts of heavy drugs. And we've seen that time and time again, that unless you address all three, and really get to the core of, of what makes us human. It's not just we are machines and, you know, take this body part out and you'll be better. It is truly on that emotional standpoint, that spiritual. And, and I think that's where a lot of people miss it. They think spiritual is religion and that I have to follow, abide by some religious standard. No, spiritual is that deep connection, that consciousness. And that's where so much of disease today, unfortunately, manifests from. But it's the one thing we have the most power over. We don't need, you know, really too many doctors on that side. We actually have so much of that power here to do that within us. So to me, it's incredibly empowering when you approach things like healing this way. And when I watch documentaries such as yourselves, because they give the insight into how you could take your power back and literally heal yourself and make yourself healthy and happy. Yeah. Take, take, that's just so great. Taking your power back. And I, I can feel that you do that with all your patients, that you're giving them the, the, the power, not even giving it, you're reminding them they have reminding, it. Reminding. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the same with a guru. You know, the, the guru is not like, follow me. They're mirroring back to you, leading you back to you and your greatness. Yeah. And that's why, that's why, like, again, we didn't set Anand up as this authority figure in the show because people would want to take him down right away. Right. No, no. Walk with him along the, the, the Ganga for a while, get to know Rishikesh. And then if something's resonating that he says, cool, I'm sure some people, you know, won't like, like my girlfriend, we were watching episode four last night. I was just watching like, you know, an episode again, just for fun. And Anand is like, 
I didn't ask you guys to trust me to, to, I just said, you might need, I don't think you need sleeping bags up here. Right. Remember that. I didn't say, trust me. He said, I don't, he's like, and to be honest, I, I still don't think that even though you guys are all complaining, <laughs> I think you're being a, you know, weak. And she's like, oh, I would be pissed at him right now. I'm like, <laughs> I know you would, <laughs> but like, so what, like you're uncomfortable for a night or you're really cold or you know, you know what I mean? Like maybe you'll get something out of it. I broke my ribs at 15,000 feet. And I trust me, I did not sleep that night because every time I, every time my autonomic breath was supposed to kick in, it couldn't. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. It's one of the scariest. Sounds horrible. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> it's, so like, you know, it's like you're going to sleep, right? Because the ribs are broken, it, it no longer could breathe on its own and the body. And so at that altitude, so as you're going to sleep, the body then like just stops breathing and you, you know, and like you, it's like, you keep waking up from death. Right. <laughs> but I, I played this game. I'm like, well, how, how much sleepish could I be and still be aware enough to t- tell my body to, to breathe. And like, and then I'd play that, you know, play it, play it. And then I'd fall asleep. And, and then play. I think I got an hour of sleep that night. But, you know, I played with it and it, it is scary and it's painful and all that. But the next morning, the meditation at the lake, I mean, I learned a lesson of a lifetime. I won't go into that. But, you know, it's like sometimes, you know, things are just tough. <laughs> they, I feel like they have to be. We need the challenges. They are the best teachers. Anyone that I've met that's been through serious chronic illness and been at the lowest lows that is now healed, self-healing is giving back to the world will look back on that point and bless that point. And say, that was so useful. Thank you, universe, for giving me that disease, which is crazy. And you're talking about cancer patients that were told they may not live. And then they look back and say, thank you, cancer. It's like, whoa, that's not that goes against anything we think. But as you're saying, it's like, thank you for broken ribs, terrible night, waking up, feeling like I'm dying. But I learned incredible lessons that made me such a better person, helped me evolve, become better. So yeah, we we got to look at that. That sometimes challenges aren't the worst things in the world. Sometimes they're the blessings in disguise. And if you look at it that way, life becomes a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. And and we evolve then. Like getting back to purpose, I think our, our big purpose is evolve. And if people are stunting that evolution and not making choices that help them evolve, whether they know it or, get, or not, like our one of our main purposes is to evolve. Absolutely. So not doing that, the body might act out and 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 force you yell- to. Yeah. yeah, force you to or, or yell at you a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not like I'm per- my body does it. And it reminds me, last few months, it's been reminding me to make some change. Yeah. Mm, it, it does it so well, too. We just sometimes have to listen better. <laughs> so tell us, where can we learn more? Where can we watch Road to Dharma get involved? Because you have a whole course that you made out of this, which is amazing. It's not just watching you go behind your meditations after each one I went through. And it was very cool to go through the course itself. So where could you know the audience learn more about that? I think the, the best starting point is road to dharma.com right? road to Dharma, because that'll tell you where you can, if you just want to watch the series, it'll link you to iTunes. It'll link you to Amazon, or if you're worldwide Vimeo, you can watch anywhere in the world. Um, it's, you know, it's not streaming, so it's a purchasable series, but whatever, nine 99 and you get to watch 10 episodes. Well, of worth it, yeah. well uh, and then also on road to dharma.com, you can, there's links to the course. The course itself also includes the series. Um, includes 10 chapters that go along with each episode, then 10 meditations that go along with each episode, and then 10 bonus talks of this is what you didn't see, the 45-minute the, the talk from Anand at Kedarnath or at Badrinath talking about relationships. So you get another five hours of content there. 
And um, I love that because then I love people to do that. And actually it's been quite popular because then, you know, it has a binginess to it. You could binge it and go fast to the series, but to go back and go, Oh, that's what the themes were. And to see the bullet points of this is the freedom can help lodge it in a little bit more deeply um, in your experience. And, and as you were saying, experience is so key to do the meditation and have a little bit of experience for yourself of how easy pranayama can shift. My God, you know, like pranayama shifts the energy so quick, right? That's important too. So it's as much as I could pack into a, a core series experience without you having to go on it and risk your life, which we know is, is important. It's to me is the epitome of trying to make something as immersive as possible um, when it comes to TV, media, coarseness. I haven't seen much that's like that per se. Um, so yeah, that's all. Roadtodharma.com is where you can get links to all of it. And we give, just so you know, like for the course, you three lessons free, you put your email in, you can watch three episodes, you can do three lessons for free just to check it out. And then if you want to pay the $69 for the course, then go for it. No, it was really a wonderful thing to go through and, and to partake in it also. You feel like you're part of it. And although you may not be able to go to the Himalayas, like you said right now, and, and ride on the motorcycles, you still feel that you're experiencing something that is at least relatable in some way so that that it's a step towards you know healing, towards learning about this, towards really connecting with everyone and improving yourself. So a hey, great job on that. I'm really looking forward to season two, as well yes. as the mystery one coming up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Can't wait we'll to see. hear more about that. And, and yeah, wishing you all the best. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. You got it. Such a pleasure. I love the work you're doing. I'm glad we're in touch now face to face like this and you're helping people out there on the East Coast. Do you help people on every coast because of Zoom? Do you? Well, we help people all over the world if they could come in. But of course, we we get in touch with them through Zoom or, you know, telemedicine to at least start the conversation and give options even where you are. You know, if you're somewhere that you can't come into New York, which is completely understandable these days, you know, we, we'll see who's in the area. We have networks and connections and people and even suggestions. Maybe the road to Dharma is where you start <laughs> and, right. and then you end up in a medical clinic somewhere. But always, I think that's the whole thing is that there are starting points and you know, wherever you choose to go, that's up to you, right? You got to feel it. You got to start your journey, but just start it. Don't think, oh, I can't come to New York. I'm not going to do anything. No, just start little steps, little steps. If you then find yourself here, amazing. We've had that years later after speaking to someone, I find them and I'm speaking to them here. And they're like, I needed the little steps first before I got here. And that's great to hear. Oh, that's super cool. I'm so glad you're doing that. And people really need a point person. You know, they, you know, if, if, even if, like you said, they're abroad and they just ask and maybe you point them. Not everybody is as connected as we are to like health and the options. You know, like I said, before I made heal, I wasn't even as aware of some of these people. And then now I, I kind of know who's out there. And I think they really need, um, I hope people that are listening feel like they have somewhere they can turn, they could call you or yeah, or they could go watch the road to Dharma or heal and see what they resonate with. And maybe, you know, Oh yeah, I'm drawn to India now and I want to go there or I want to just start meditating and then I go look for a meditation. Cool. Cool. And that's what we want, right? That's what we want to inspire people to, to to empower themselves and take the steps. So, thanks for what you're doing. I really appreciate being on the on the show and speaking to you, all your peeps. Adam, thank you again. Take care. All right, see ya. Adam is a lover of life. No doubt about it. And that is truly a healing and freeing state to be in. If you connect to Adam's story and his approach, be sure to check out the Road to Dharma course on finding a path to personal freedom. 
All of Adam's work can be found at www.living.i2i, that's the letter I, number two I, dot com, and also www.roadtodharma.com. And Dharma spelled D-H-A-R-M-A, if you didn't know. I really enjoyed the series and I can't recommend it enough, people. As Adam notes, encouraging experiences that challenge our worldview and help us go beyond our stories allows us to evolve and expand our awareness to the greatness we are. Until next time, continue to explore your greatness and write your own healing story. <laughs>